I don't know about you, but I have been having a fantastic time here on KKLA-FM at 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. If you haven't been listening, you need to change your schedule because we've been discussing some incredibly important topics from the Bible on our radio program called Lift Up Jesus. I am Pastor Dudley Rutherford over at Shepherd Church located right here in Los Angeles, the greatest city in the world. And whether you're driving or listening at home or at work, I'm thrilled that you're here. It is no coincidence that you're listening today. I believe with all of my heart that God has a purpose for you, for your family, and really for this city. I've discovered that being immersed in the Bible every single day will completely transform your life. And a great way to dive into God's Word each and every day is to tune into this program, Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. We're here on KKLA Monday through Friday from 7 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And I'd love to have you join us and invite your friends and family to do the same. Be sure to stick around until the end of today's program because I have a few important things to share with you when this message concludes. Let's get started because I know you will be blessed and encouraged by today's message. We're covering this topic of stewardship, which there's more in the Bible, more information, more verses, more Bible information about stewardship than there is heaven and hell combined. There's more about stewardship, and for me as a pastor, I believe I have a responsibility to teach you what the Bible has an awful lot to say about. So in your sermon notes, I want you to write this down or just circle this. The word Malachi, everybody say Malachi. His name means messenger. So in your notes, just circle messenger. The Lord's messenger, that's what Malachi means. And you have uh, a Bible in the very first verse, the first word, uh, the first verse, the first chapter, this oracle or this book, these four chapters, this is the word of the Lord to who? To Israel through what prophet? Through, Through Malachi. Malachi was the messenger that God used to deliver his message. This is 400 years before Christ appears. This is the last book in the Old Testament. Think about this. Israel doesn't hear from God for 400 years. These are the last words that Israel hears until Jesus Christ himself appears. So in my opinion, these words must be very important if if this was the last time that God spoke to the nation of Israel. Number one, write this down, is the problem. In Malachi's day, they had a problem. I want to summarize by saying this. In Malachi's day, the people of God had departed from God's ordinances. And I have a bunch of D words. They had deserted his principles. They had deliberately turned away. They had deviated from his plans. They had discarded his truth. They had dismissed his sovereignty and they distrusted his ability to provide for them and to meet their needs. And when I look around, I believe that we have that same problem today. For many of us have deserted his principles. Many of us have deliberately turned away. Many of us have discarded his truth. 
We have denied His Lordship. We have dismissed His sovereignty. And we too distrust His ability to provide and meet our every need. So culturally, a lot is the same. Now I want you to write these three subpoints down and you have to understand that Malachi specifically mentions three things, three problems. Number one, they were offering blemished animals. They were offering up blemished animals. And I will explain that. I want you to look. I want to read a few verses so you can see that when I tell you this was the problem, that that's exactly what was going on here in Malachi's day. Look at verse 6. Malachi 1 verse 6. It says a son honors his what? Father. Now how many of you just ask, how many of you think that a son should honor his father? Okay. It should happen. A servant his master. And God says, if I am a father, and we know that he's our heavenly father, God says, these are his words, where is the honor that is due to me? If I'm a master, where's the respect that is due me, says the Lord Almighty. Skip down to verse 8. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Why don't you try offering them to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Skip down to verse 11, he says, My name will be great among the what? Among the nations. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, in every place where worship is conducted, where incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. Skip down to the last half of verse 13. When you bring injured, crippled, diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord. Verse 14. Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. I want you to write this down. God expects our best. Not only does He expect our best, He deserves our best. Now here's what was going on, because you need to understand this. This is the Old Testament, and they had a sacrificial system where you as a believer, as a child of God, you were supposed to go out to your flock and look at all the little lambs, and you were supposed to take one and to sacrifice that as an offering to the Almighty God. You were supposed to take the very best. But instead, you'd go out and you'd look at your flock and you'd look at all of them. You'd go, oh, look at that one. That one's, that one's got all kinds of disease. Something's wrong with that one. It's, it looks like it was attacked and it's missing an eye. In fact, it's missing both eyes. Nobody would want that one. And uh, you know what? Uh, I think that's the one I'm going to use to sacrifice to God. That's, that's my gift to God. And God got very upset about that. He was so upset in chapter 2, verse 3, he said these words. Because of you, I'm going to rebuke your descendants, and I'm going to spread on your faces the awful, or the awful, everybody say awful. That word means waste, the dung, the manure. There's other words for this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) 
God is so upset, he says, I'm going to take the, the manure from these crippled, diseased, blind animals that you're sacrificing to me. You think that's, that, that I deserve that? He said, I'm so upset, I'm going to take the manure and I'm going to put that on your face and I'm going to, I'm going to march you out of the city during your festival with that all over your face. That's how upset God got. Now that seems a little extreme to some of us, but... In God's viewpoint, whatever, I don't care what it is, when we choose to give to God, it should be our very, very best. He deserves it, amen? Here's the second problem. They had what I call broken vows. They had broken their covenant with God and with each other. God got upset with the priest and he got upset with the people. He was upset with everybody because they were breaking their vows between each other. They were breaking their vows in their marriage commitments. And they were breaking their vows between them and God. And they had forsaken their vows of holiness. And if you read the text, they started to call evil things good. And it says in this chapter 2, in the first part of chapter 3, that they had given themselves over to three things. To divorce, to violence, and to injustice. And I look at those three things, and I look at the United States of America, we have given ourselves over to those same three things. We have just given up on marriage just given ourselves over to divorce we have given up and given ourselves over to violence and we certainly have given ourselves over to injustice it happens in this country write this down god expects faithfulness that's what i learned when i read through this he expects faithfulness between husbands and wives when you make a commitment to each other, you take a vow, he expects us, you, it's in the text, he expects us to be faithful to each other. And then he expects, when we make a vow before God, a vow of holiness, a vow of purity, a vow of servanthood, he expects us to keep those vows. The third problem, and this is in the Bible, it says that they were robbing God. And for some of you, that sounds strange. What do you mean robbing God? How do you, how do you steal from God? Well, chapter 3, verse 8, God said these words, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, Lord, how do we rob from you? And then he answered in tithes, and in offerings. Tithe is 10%. Offering is above 10%. I want you to write this down. God expects what's His. He expects and deserves respect. He expects and deserves faithfulness. And He expects and deserves what belongs to Him. In the Old Testament, it was expected for them to give 10%. And I know that You'd have to study all this, but it wasn't just 10%. Some years it was 20%. Some years there was a third tithe. In some years in Israel's history, they had to give 30%. 
That's the Old Testament. How many of you glad that we don't live in the Old Testament? We live in the New Testament. Yeah, okay. Well, the New Testament is different, but before you're so happy to be over here, in the New Testament, God expects that we give Him everything. It all belongs to Him. Now, how many of you wish you lived back in the Old Testament days? It was only 10%. See, we look at 10%. That's amazing. I, I couldn't do that. Well, you live in the New Testament. God gives you everything you have comes from Him. But whatever He's placed in your hands and in my hands, He trusted us. And our job here on this earth is simply to manage it. And to be a steward of everything that He's given to us. So these are the three major problems. They were not giving God the honor and respect that were due Him. They were not keeping their vows to each other and to God. And they were stealing from Him. But He makes a pronouncement. Number two, write that down. The pronouncement. That's a long word. So because of the problems, He says, in chapter 3, verse 9, He says, you're under a curse. The whole nation of you because you are robbing me now when i first read that i said i said to myself you know god is not messing around he must be pretty serious about this but here's the point and please stay with me god is so powerful and he is so almighty he's omniscient he's omnipresent he's omnipotent to have any understanding if you have just an inkling of an understanding of how great He is, it would cause you to to bow before Him. It would cause you to worship Him. It would cause you to serve Him. It would cause you to honor Him. If you had any inclination of how great He was, you would respect Him for His power. You would respect Him for His grace. You would love Him for His love. And His love is higher than the heavens. His love is lower than our deepest sin. His love is wider than our greatest doubt. His love is longer than all of eternity. And the Bible says that all honor and all glory is due Him. You say, come on, Dudley, who are you kidding? God is not going to put me or this nation under a curse because I failed to give Him the respect or I break my vows, or I steal and withhold from Him. And I want to say to you, not only do I think that's possible, there's a chance it might have already happened. And we're just numb to it. We are currently, as a nation, over $20 trillion in debt. That's the number the government talks about. There's an additional $70 trillion in unfunded liabilities that we owe our government has placed us close to 100 trillion dollars in debt when you think about the broken families and the dysfunctional families in this country when you think of the homeless problem homelessness we have close to 80,000 people living on the streets just here in the city of los angeles when you think of the abortion crisis since roe versus wade we have aborted in the united states of america we have aborted over 60 million children Pornography is a curse upon this nation. The number one producer of all the pornography in the world is the San Fernando Valley, just a few blocks, a few miles from this church. All the pornography in the world is made within a few miles of this church. It's a curse upon this nation. Our nation is divided politically, racially, and morally. 
We now in the United States of America, we call good evil and we call evil things good. A curse, you tell me. I will tell you this, by my vantage point, if he hasn't already done it, he's in the process of removing his hand of blessing off this country. Now, can God have the hand of blessing upon you as he removes the hand of blessing off the entire nation? I believe that's possible. Because I think there are many people here today who honor God and who God has blessed. But at the same time, I see God removing his hand of blessing off this nation as he did the nation of Israel. Number three, write this down, the promise. Everybody say the promise. He says this in verse seven. He says, return to me. This is a promise. What's he going to do? According to his words. What's he going to do? He's just going to give it right back to you. Well, why would he want me to do that if he's just going to turn around and give it right back to me? You tell me. He wants you to exercise faith. And what a promise. If we start obeying, if we start honoring him, start showing him reverence and respect, and we start keeping our vows between one another, and we keep our vows in marriage, and we keep our vows of love, and we keep our vows of faithfulness and our vows of holiness, and we return to God that He's going to return to us, it's a promise of God. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a law. Everybody say law. Law. But we live in the New Testament. We live under grace. And so whatever we do here, it's because we love. Not because we have to, it's because we want to. There's a big difference. I have three children. I want all three of my children, not one, not two. I want all three of them to respect me. I want them to honor me. I want them to obey me. But I don't want them to respect me because they have to. I want them to respect me because they want to. There's a big difference. And the same thing for every father here, for every parent. You want your children to respect you, amen? But you don't want them to respect you because they have to. You want them to follow the rules because they want to. There's a big difference. And there's no difference when you look at the Old Testament. They had all these rules and regulations. They had to do these things. But God, even though He asked them to do it, He didn't want them to do it because it was the law. He wanted them to do it out of love and honor and respect. It's the same way today. And so... He said these words. These are, this is Malachi 3, verse 10. He said to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And this is the only place in the whole Bible where he says, test me. Everybody say, test me. It's the only place. In the, you can't find those words in the Bible anywhere else. He says, you test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon your life that you will not even have room enough to contain it. And when God makes this promise, it's not like when a politician makes you a promise. I mean, this is God Almighty telling you these words. And here's number four, write this down, the provision. And I don't have time to read through this. I'm just going to give you all of it at one time. You just write it down, and you need to go back and study this on your own time. He says that he's going to open up the floodgates of heaven. Write that down. He'll pour out so much blessing in your life, you won't have enough 
to contain it. He's going to rebuke the devourer, which means he's going to rebuke that which came to kill still and to destroy in your life. He says you will once again become the envy of the entire world. And you will have great joy. He says you will live in a delightful land. I love the word delightful. The word delightful means that you are full of joy. So he makes this promise that if we will return to him, he's simply going to return it to us. He will open up the floodgates. He'll rebuke the devourer. You will once again be the envy of the world and you'll have great joy. And then number five, write this down. They make a pact. They actually sign. They sign. They write an agreement. And as I wrap this up, I want you to look at chapter 3, verse 16, 17, and 18. I want to read this to you. Those who feared the Lord, who had decided they're going to respect God, they talked with what? They just started talking to each other about what they were going to do. And while they were talking, the Lord was doing what? He was eavesdropping. He was listening and he heard. And so a scroll of remembrance was written. They didn't have books like that. They didn't have books back in those days. Everything was written down was on a scroll, a parchment paper. And so they had this thing called a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence, in God's presence, concerning those who feared the Lord and who honored his name. And verse 17 said, they will be mine says the Lord Almighty, in the day that I make up my treasured possession. And in verse 18, he says, and you will see again the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You know, today we look around and you can't really tell the difference between who's saved and who's not saved. But when people truly say, God, from this day forward, I'm going to honor you in word and in deed with everything I have. God, I'm going to give you the respect that is due you. God says at that point, you'll see so much blessing. You will then see the difference between those who serve God and those who do not serve God. I want to thank you for joining me today at Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. You know, it's so wonderful that technology allows us to hear the message of the gospel over the radio waves. But we'd also love to have you come and hear God's word in person at Shepherd Church. I would love for you to come visit our church. We have three campuses in the greater Los Angeles area, Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Aqua Dulce. So wherever you live in Los Angeles, you can get to one of our campuses in about 20 minutes. Because you know, there's not a lot of traffic on Sunday mornings. We are a multiracial, multi-generational church that is built on biblical preaching and dynamic worship. We have ministries for every stage of life you might be going through. Children's programs for toddlers to teens, a sports ministry with leagues and programs for kids to adults. We have care ministries for those who are going through divorce, grief, or some serious illness like cancer. We invite you to come. Check us out during one of our many service times on Saturday night or Sunday morning. Visit our website at liftupjesus.com. That's liftupjesus.com to get more information about our church, our locations, and our service times. If you feel led to support us 
in this radio outreach, I invite you to partner with us at liftupjesus.com. Would you come and help us lift up his name? Come and help us lift up Jesus to this lost and dying world. For a financial gift of any amount, we will send you our Anchored Bible Study Journal. This journal features a Bible reading plan. There's a page to journal for every day of the year. There are thought-provoking questions and inspirational quotes that will take you deeper into God's Word. Again, you can call us toll-free at 888-818-4777 or visit our website at liftupjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from you. And remember to meet me, Dudley Rutherford, here every weekday, 7 p.m., as we continue to lift up Jesus. Jesus.